Ja, ja, denk dan! Wit is drama. Wit is drama. Wit is drama. Building bridges. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're good to go. Welcome to Building Bridges. I'm Sebi. I'm Jan. And I'm Dave. And this is the Eurovision podcast for the rest of us. So, guys, I'm still not over last week. I still can't believe we got to to actually speak with Amari David, and for for like an hour too. She was so nice with her time and with her her comments and everything. She yeah, even he, shared our, our podcast yeah. on, on social media. <laughs> even after, and like I told her that I would come to Luxembourg to Pride, and like she was so happy about that as well. So hopefully, we can record something for the podcast then again. No, yeah, you realize like- you actually have to go now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you you can't you can't tell Emily David you're you're going and then you don't show up. No, she'll I can't kill back you. out of that. <laughs> that will be proof on our social media. I think it was such a great thing to you know that we actually managed to get here, especially by the time when when Luxembourg was announced to get back to the contest. So I think it was really nice way to slowly open the upcoming Eurovision season, which is heading to Sweden next year, but more about that in the following minutes. Yeah, right place, right time. But well, Dave, um, you would think uh, it's June, like it's literally the month after Eurovision, you would think there'd be nothing going on. But I heard that you have quite a few news that might not even fit into our usual speed news. Yeah, this can't be a two-minute speed news. There's, there's no way. I don't understand. Like, I wrote three Eurovision articles today. I went to work. Like, I'm, I'm exhausted. It's mid-June. Things need, things need to calm down. I, I need, I don't know. I need maybe in July we can take a week off, but, uh, but not now. So, should we start with the biggest news? Uh, actually, as we're recording, this is, this is really fresh off the press. It won't be, of course, by the time. Uh, people are listening, but the huge news today is that Norwegian broadcaster NRK kind of let it slip that they've actually been in chats and in dialogues with the EBU because they essentially were flooded with complaints. Like Norwegians were complaining to NRK about the voting system as if NRK had something to do with it after, of course, Karia came in second overall. Uh, so NRK actually said, you know what, we're going to talk to the EBU about this. And sure enough, I'm trying to find the name now, their project manager for Melody Grand Prix, Thea Flinder, uh, said in an interview today that, yes, indeed, they have been in negotiations and discussions with the EBU. They're looking at some kind of possible change to the jury votes for next year. I'd like to think that the EBU is also listening to our podcast and to our episode about what they can do with the juries. Maybe some of that's being discussed. Maybe some of our online content on Instagram will show up in the European Broadcasting Union's reference group for the Eurovision Song Contest. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, As it should. Yeah. Uh, So they actually responded to NRK, the EBU did, and they basically... Um, outlined why they keep the jury system, why it still exists. So they gave reasons like the fact that by ranking all the songs the way they currently do, they rank them in priority. They can assess each song individually. Um, and that lets a winner be decided on the, the, the broadest criteria. They also like the tradition of having a jury vote. Of course, the jury vote does go back to the very beginning of Eurovision. It was always a jury. There was just that kind of 
decade in the 2000s where they, they went away for a bit, but we'll talk about that again in a minute as well. Uh, they feel it also cuts down uh, and mitigates the diaspora vote and cultural voting because you have 50% by juries, which are supposed to not do that, apparently. And uh, finally, they say it maintains the suspense uh, in the voting sequence in the grand final because we don't know who the winner is until the very end of the second set of points. So they, they, they're hoping to, I guess, yeah, keep the tradition alive, keep it going for that way. Um, I mean, to simplify our, our entire episode the last time, I guess, I mean, you, you keep the juries and hopefully, you know, it cuts down, like we said, on, on all that foolishness, on the joke entries. Uh, we saw a lot of perceived, like, block voting in the 2000s. So the juries are supposed to cut down on that. But, I mean, on the other hand, you could just give people what they want <laughs> and get rid of them altogether and have 100% uh, televote again, like we did from 98 until 2008. Yeah, and it would just result into more riots by the fans. Like if they ditched, if they announced now that they would ditch the juries altogether, people would complain about that again. Yeah. And it's funny because Lorraine is actually... I. It, I've seen from from a TikTok. I don't know how I saw a TikTok, but I did on, on Instagram. I think she's in the UK uh, doing some media because they asked her today, like like I don't know, twenty minutes ago. I saw this. What she thinks of this news that they might get rid of the juries, and they said, "Do you think they should get rid of the juries?" And she pauses and goes, "No." Nope. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was actually the case. She was in UK not so long ago. Maybe we're talking pretty much about the same clip as well. But like she was attending yeah. to some radio show, and they asked her about this whole thing. She was like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> and there was yeah. like this huge laughter yeah. in the studio, which I obviously mean, makes sense. All the politics of all this aside, like I, I do feel for her. Like I know she's I don't know rich and famous, whatever. But um, to what extent that's true, I don't know. But um, just, just you know, I, I would feel like being her in the arena when they were chanting cha-cha-cha and karia. And now, like, it's impossible she hasn't seen this social media uh, storm since Eurovision for all these people wanting the jury's gone and wishing karia had won. Like she won the damn thing, she has the trophy, and now she has to put up with all this. It's kind of, I would think it maybe like sours the victory a little bit. Yeah, but how much does just, it affect you, know, you really? If you have two trophies in your cupboard, do you really think it affects no, you that much? But you know, if you, <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure, like, if you go to the contest, you always go with at least a wish, you know, to win. Even though each and every contestant, they should be, you know, like reasonable enough to think about the real chances of winning but it was super obvious since the beginning like this season will be all about sweden and finland and this is why probably her victory in 2012 was way much sweeter than it was this year just maybe because all of that you know fame and karia as well being huge fan favorite actually you know and also the thing when she didn't get it not a single 12 points by the televoting, if I'm not wrong, you know? So this is why it can start a conversation yet again and again and again. And um, But yes, I mean, she won at the end of the day. The, the story is over and there there's something to look on for 2024 season. Yeah. Speaking of which, that was a really good segue, Jan, because the other big announcement today, uh, recording naming Wednesday, 
is this morning uh, Swedish broadcaster SVT, or should I say SVT, uh, announced their core team that are basically the bosses. And they are going to deliver the 68th Eurovision Song Contest from somewhere in Sweden in May 2024. The head of everything is a lady called Ebba Adjelsson. And she is the executive producer. And uh, while she doesn't have any Eurovision or Melfest on her resume, interestingly, she is stepping down from a major role at uh, SVT to take this on. But her her three underlings, I guess, or the, her three colleagues that will work with her certainly have a lot of Eurovision and, uh, and Melfest experience under their belts. So her, I guess, second in command would be Christiel Tolsa-Villers. She is the executive producer for communication, press, branding, all that good stuff. She did the same job when it was in Malmö uh, in 2013, and she's been the executive producer for Melfest a few times along the way since as well. And then we've got Tobias Olbaria. He's going to be responsible for all the technical production uh, for Eurovision 2024. And this is his third. Of course, he's worked on Malmö and Stockholm as well. And he even worked on some Eurovisions uh, in lesser roles. He actually worked for the BBC in Liverpool uh, this year. And lastly, Johan Bernhagen was together with Martin Oesterdal back in 2016 when they were executive producers in Stockholm. Uh, he is going to be responsible for uh, finances and basically the overall technical production. So that sounds like a huge job there as well. Interestingly, no mention of Christer Björkman. People thought he might be, you know, one of the one of the heads or one of the bosses in charge of this. I mean, there are a few more big names that'll come out, a few more roles that need to be filled. But certainly, this is the the core, the I guess the big four you could call them. Uh, that will make a lot of the decisions, and uh, and no Christer. But isn't that a little interesting? You know, like all of these people who had like previous Eurovision experiences, they all worked on Malmö 2013 edition. Is that you know a hint where we are probably going next year? Mm-hmm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. But I also feel like. I, and I was thinking about this today when I was typing this up. It's been eight, or will have been eight years. Like Stockholm was eight years ago. Malmo and Stockholm were so close together. It made sense, I guess. Like you just had this team, you trained them, you went through everything in Malmo. Yeah, I'll bring them back for Stockholm. But now it's been eight years. Maybe you don't want like a third Eurovision. You want this to be maybe the first in a new series of contests maybe you want new you're going to bring in new things make it a new production new people yeah. so maybe that's why Christer's not there i don't know it's insane when you said like this stockholm happened eight years ago like next year i'm having this very personal you know kind of anniversary of like 10 years of being at eurovision for the first time and i remember when i went to copenhagen and people asked me oh is it your first time and i said yes and some of them were like oh it's my like eighth tenth eurovision i was like oh well <laughs> there's still a way to go for me you know but it's insane it's 2024 coming up next year and i can't believe it but you know it's it's wow <laughs> yeah, of course, Christer will be there. There's no way Christer won't be there. He will hand out the the awards at least uh, on the day of the final, um, like the former Barbara Dex Award and some of those, right? I think or no? What what are the awards that he gives out at the end? Marcel Bessenson. Um, Marcel, right? Yeah. Marcel yeah. Bessenson. The Swiss the Swiss awards. He's in charge of those, so he will be there. But uh, 
Will SVT be paying him? Will be on payroll? We'll see. Uh, some fun news from Kadia, everyone's favorite runner-up, poor old Kadia. But like, I I can't feel too bad for him. Like, Cha 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 just passed seventy-five million streams on Spotify. Uh, he's not in the top ten, but he's still one of the most uh, streamed Eurovision songs ever. And how is this? His hometown of Vanta, which is the fourth biggest city in Sweden, um, last month. Oh, God. We've been talking about Sweden too much. Right. Finland. <laughs> it's all been Sweden, Sweden, Sweden. Yeah, in Finland, thank you. Uh, they've actually commissioned a mural of him in the city. They're, they're going to put it right downtown near the train station. Um, they're looking for some space to put it, but uh, they want it very close to the train station. So any potential Karia pilgrims that want to go check out his hometown can, uh, can see the mural quite easily. And... Furthermore, uh, they announced this week that they are giving him the keys to an apartment in the city for free for a year. That's amazing. Yeah, apparently a little while ago he came out and said that he kind of misses his hometown and growing up, um, I guess, not really rural Finland, but like north of Helsinki in Vanta. And uh, they latched onto that. And I mean, I think it's good PR because you give him somewhere to stay, he's going to go there. And if there's news, you know, if, if he's posting stuff on Instagram or whatever, like he's in this place in the city, maybe people will go hoping to bump into Kadia. You know, it's always a good reason, you know, to use the fandom to go and to see um, the country itself. Uh, we had several examples of uh, how people, you know, use the national Eurovision selections for, for promoting their tourism and stuff. So I think that's not really a strange uh, idea to 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 do from their side. Yeah, and we uh, we didn't mean we didn't mean for the the news section to go on for this long, but a lot happened today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's move on to the main point we decided to get together today. The host city race, of course, in Sweden is ongoing, and official submissions are now closed. And we have four cities that got bids in before the deadline. Shall we go through them? Yes. 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 Okay. Sebi looks uh, baffled, but that's okay because this is a podcast and nobody can see him. <laughs> so <laughs> let's start with, I think, Jan's favorite and Jan's guess, maybe. And I actually, I have to say, I'll say it now in case it happens. I think Gothenburg is going to get it. My gut's telling me. I thought uh, I thought Bologna was going to get it in 2022, but I was wrong. You're I might be wrong this. about this as well. You're That's my this. prediction. I'm going out on a limb now. And I'm you also thought Glasgow was it. getting it this year. So True. You're oh, my God. Like am I meta? Like she was always picking it wrong, so I'd rather not say anything. Yeah. About. Oh, you can say it. You can say it. Anyway, so Gothenburg. So, yeah. Jutteborgia. So we've got the Scandinavium, and that can hold about 14,000 people for concerts, so that's pretty good. But it's an old arena. Construction started in 1969, and the roof was not built for modern concerts, for modern shows. So there's been a lot of speculation and talk about the fact that it won't be able to hold the weight of all the lighting and rigging needed to host you know, Eurovision in the 2020s. Um, I, I imagine if the Scandinavian is picked, uh, Lorraine won't be able to use her sandwich uh, mm-hmm. to reprise Tattoo when the show opens. 
Uh, but apparently city officials have hinted that they've found a solution. They haven't said what that is. If they're going to somehow put a new roof on the stadium before uh, April of next year. Who knows? But um, there is one thing, I think, hurting their bid. The council has come out and said that well, that certain members of the city council have said things like, uh, and I'm not going to try and pronounce their names, but I'm going to quote them anyway. Uh, I think Eurovision is really fun. And I understand that it would mean a lot for the city, so a lot for Gothenburg to host the contest. But the city will not pay 100 or even 2 million kronor, which is about between 8 and 17 million euros. That's totally out of the question when we are fighting to save our nurses and keep teachers in our schools. But if SVT chooses Gothenburg and the costs can be distributed sensibly, then, you know, in the end, it'll be a matter for the council to vote on. So it sounds like money is the biggest issue in Gothenburg. Uh, Sebi, I know you've been. What would you say if Gothenburg got chosen as the host city for Eurovision 2024? <laughs> well, if they got chosen, I would be super happy because Gothenburg is definitely my favorite city that I've been to in Sweden and possibly like one of my favorite cities in general because it's just, you know, it's not one of these cities that is like, you know, super touristy that I would recommend for people to just, you have to go see Gothenburg, you know, but when it comes to, you know, just to peace and like when I think of, you know, where I could live in the future, I think definitely Gothenburg is up there. And I've been there like, I think three times, this will be my fourth time next year. Um, and it's so nice. And like, I know the city so well by now, so I would definitely be happy about it. But I don't think it's going to be Gothenburg. Um, Scandinavian is partly too old. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about this um, in 2013 and in 2016. Um, partly too old. And then, you know, it's always booked up for hockey, <laughs> especially in May. Hey, hey, don't, <laughs> don't brag on the hockey. <laughs> Las Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup last night. I am still tired. I was up late watching it. I'm thrilled. Do not bash hockey, but continue. And thank you for not calling it ice hockey because that just ruins my day. <laughs> yeah, so in 2013 and 2016, there was a lot of discussion about, uh, you know, Gothenburg needing a different arena uh, for hosting Eurovision. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon yeah for a big city I'm, I'm shocked that they only have the one arena that is this old you'd think they'd have like build a second one you could have a modern one for big events big concerts uh like when taylor swift comes through or or a eurovision and then oh, you can have, keep, the old, keep the old one for hockey oh it's it looks nice on on that picture you're showing me up with your phone yeah it looks very good but it's old Okay, so let's do number two really quickly. <laughs> I just heard it. Um, so, Malmo, Malmo, in the aptly named Malmo Arena. Yeah, second largest indoor arena in Sweden, holds about 15,500 people for concerts. And as we know, hosted Eurovision twice in 2013 and way back in 1992 with that weird Viking boat stage thing. Yeah. So, yeah, and of course, at, uh, Melfest, at least one Melfest show going back every year to what, 2002 at least, and then randomly on and off before that. So they have the experience, they have the arena. Uh, again, Sebi, I think you've been. So, what would you do if uh, if Malmö gets declared the winner? <laughs> um, Cartwheels. <laughs> it's it's possible. I would. Um, 
I always said the nicest thing about Malmö is how close it is to Copenhagen. So I don't think yes. that's a good sign yes. about a city. Yes. And, and Air Canada flies to Copenhagen, so I have a way over. And yeah, Malmö itself is... I think it would be good for hosting Eurovision. I mean, it has only recently, like 10 years ago. Um, but like as a city itself, it's just something that I would drive through. And like Malmö is worth... Uh, only for a reason to go. And when that reason is Eurovision, that's great. But going to Malmö for the sake of Malmö, I don't know about that. What if a hundred, to steal Edward Ofsiland's joke, what if a hundred thousand gays, I mean Eurovision fans, descended on Malmö? Would that make the city better? Could that brighten the city up for a week or two in, in May? Uh, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Well, we well, tried in Torino. We, we did. Yeah, well, it, it, it wasn't that bad though anyway no um, we, sca- we scared the locals of it but i mean other than that it was <laughs> i i um of course i asked um artificial intelligence to tell me three nice things about Malmo, sweden and um <laughs> as for now uh, the first thing is beautiful architecture uh, okay. Obviously, Malmö is known for its stunning architecture that seamlessly blends <laughs> the old with the new, and from the sure. iconic, yeah, turning torso skyscraper so. yeah. uh, to the historic and, buildings. And, and Old West, Malmö offers a visual treat for architecture enthusiasts. Second one is vibrant cultural scene. Uh, apparently, Malmö boosts a vibrant cultural scene with numerous art galleries, theaters, etc. And obviously, the third one is green spaces, a city that values its green spaces and sustainability. sustainability. Thank you very you much. Go. So, um, <laughs> the thing is, yeah, well, um, it's, it's a nice no, it's thing. Interesting. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. That might actually help it. Because yeah. if, the, if, if the city is big on sustainability and the environment, that's what we know, because SVT said they're looking for that this year. So, so maybe it it's a hint. Yeah. But you don't care about Malmo. You care about Stockholm. Of course. Of course. And I think, I mean, most of you listening probably know this already. Uh, Globen, which hosted Eurovision the last two times it was in the city, uh, is scheduled for renovations, and it does not look like those will be paused or sped up or moved. So it's going to have to be Friends Arena, which can hold upwards of fifty thousand people. Which I kind of, I kind of want would would love that because it. Uh, some of you might know a personal favorite of mine is Eurovision twenty eleven. Uh, that big arena in Dusseldorf. Like, I just think that would be a cool thing to say. Just one Eurovision, one massive Eurovision. Um, and if not, Friends Arena, it will be the Tele 2 Arena. That one can hold upwards of 30,000 people. Um, Stockholm is Lorraine's choice. Uh, she's from the area. She, uh, she didn't get her home Eurovision last time she won. So she's kind of hoping this time it's in Stockholm where else she's going to have to come back in Eurovision 2029 and win again. Uh, but of course, uh, the football teams that play in those stadiums refuse to leave. So I don't know who works that out, how that gets decided. But again, similar to Gothenburg with the roof issue, the city council in Stockholm said that there are solutions to the double booking issue of football season and Eurovision season uh, at the same time. So before I lose my voice, Sebi, take it away. Uh, well, what can I say? I think Stockholm is probably the favorite right now i would say um it's definitely i would be shocked if it's not stockholm next year 
Uh, I personally, I love Stockholm as a city. Um, again, it's one of my favorite cities and I just want something different for Eurovision. You know, it's so like, it's so cliche when you go to the capital cities. It's like what everyone's saying. Like last year when people were saying, oh, it's going to be London because it's in the UK. Like, no, there are other cities. <laughs> and like, especially in a country like Sweden, which is so, you know, they host Melody Festival and their biggest show in like literal villages sometimes so they're mm. capable of not needing their um capital city but at the same time like it would be cool there are like it has the most flights it has the most hotels um so yeah, it would make and sense that, and that's the yeah. that's the thing um it's, yeah. it's fine to host melfest in a small town in northern sweden but yeah. when you've got literally tens if not over a hundred thousand people from around the world trying to show up where do they stay how do they get there that becomes the issue. And we'll talk about that momentarily. Yeah. Your love well, for Stockholm. My endless love for Stockholm. I mean, my third Eurovision was in, in Stockholm, Sweden. And it was probably one of my favorite ones, even though it was probably one of the shortest ones. I went there for like four days. But luckily, I returned in 2020. And I, I, I don't know. I... You know, when you go somewhere and it feels like home, this is what Stockholm feels to me. Uh, and I don't know, I, I somehow think that, you know, Swedes know how to take care about Eurovision and my 2016 experience proved that. Uh, and as you guys said before, you know, like it's the easiest way to get there. You know, there are so many conditions on the venues, on the host cities and stuff. We talked about it in, in, in the previous uh, episodes actually at the beginning of the season but like yet again it was um i think in stockholm will be the best case for it just because you know all the infrastructure also you know like airports and stuff and all the happening i think stockholm would be the best choice out of all four of them which are in the game to host the whole contest so i don't know I think it will be Stockholm at the end, and they will somehow, you know, manage this double booking thingy. Mm. Um, but yet again, how to, in, from the marketing perspective, having these two huge events at the same time, it could be quite challenging, though. But you know, there's still plenty of time for them to think about it. What's the best choice for? The host. Yeah, because you, you think, you know, you have multiple football teams will like obviously like pick friends or telly two and then they can all play out of the one. You might have to put a few games close together, but whatever. Apparently they have different grass. Oh. Different turf. And different teams like playing on different turf. They're used to one type of grass or the other. And that's a big deal because you like if you're playing your home games in a different stadium, you have different grass and you're not used to it, it's a big kerfuffle. Anyway, uh, I will say personally, I do hope it's Stockholm as well. Uh, I've got friends there I'd like to see. I've got somewhere to stay for free. Hooray. So it would be really, really helpful, really happy for me if it's in Stockholm. But there is one more, I don't know if I can call this a city, um, municipality that has put in an official bid and SVT will have to deal with this. Uh, Sebi, would you, uh, as the fluent Swedish speaker in the room, like to uh, pronounce this for us? Unholzvik. Of course. <laughs> but even even Swedes call it Övik, so I think that's Övik, what I'll do as yeah. well. 
Imagine like the spokespersons trying to say that in the final nights. Like they had issues oh, with mom, anybody. Like, yeah, so anybody like that would be that would be on the like on the on the official logo and and like Graham <laughs> Norton trying to say that on like it no it would not go well. Yeah. Um, shockingly, this place. I mean, it's it's north of Stockholm, obviously. Uh, they have an arena, Heglund's Arena, and that can hold almost ten thousand people for concerts. Uh, they've been up there for Melfest one, two, three, four, five times, including this year. Uh, I looked into some some other things about the uh, place in Sweden. In Sweden, they do have an airport. It is quite tiny. There is one uh, airline that flies into Övik. It's not SAS. It's like a local airline. So think tiny planes, not very frequent. So that's the first big issue. Uh, fun facts that could come up in some Eurovision trivia if they win. Övik uh, Airport was the first airport in the world given permission to operate without an air control tower. Hmm. They wow. use another airport's <laughs> air control tower. Isn't that fascinating? The <laughs> things you learn on Building Bridges podcast. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. Very educational. So very educational. So you can fly to Arlanda, and that's about, or from Arlanda in Stockholm. That's about it. In the summer, I uh, didn't didn't say when these start, but there are charter flights to Split in Croatia, and mm-hmm. to Rhodes in Greece. So if you mm-hmm. live in either of those two places and you're a Eurovision fan, you might have a direct flight to Ervik. Although expect lots of sunburned Swedes on your flight up, but don't worry. Uh, otherwise, you can fly into Stockholm and you can either uh, drive. If you can't get one of those infrequent flights, you can drive up. It's a five and a half hour drive. It's about 500 kilometers of highway from the airport. A bit longer from the city because the airport is north of the city. Uh, or you can get a train. There are infrequent trains <laughs> that take usually between seven and eight hours to get up there. So none of this would be ideal. Uh, for example, for me, I would have a three and a half hour flight to Toronto, a couple of hours to connect probably, eight and a half hours to Copenhagen, and then either a train or plane to Stockholm, and then a train or plane up to Ervik. So I'm looking at like a two-day journey just, just to get there. Oh, so it's, it's not it's not ideal. So that got me thinking, like, imagine if you're Martin. Well, Martin Österdahl knows being Swedish, but imagine if he wasn't. The other members of the EBU that have to go to these cities and assess them. I think just the travel up there alone might be enough for them to disqualify. Irving, <laughs> unfortunately. So that's my two cents. But uh, maybe you guys disagree. What do you think? Well, I think it's more of a thank you gesture from SVT for even accepting this bit because um, Ovik really has done a lot for SVT and especially for Melody Festival and in the recent few years. Thank you. Uh, in the recent few years. And they do their best. And like for such a small city, they really put on great shows. Like when you watch Melody Festival, you wouldn't know a difference really if it's in Ovik or in... Gothenburg or Malmö but like um, yeah I think that's also it I think it's just you know thank you for everything that you've done but like you you know that you're not in a competition actually I think there are three contenders at best probably even two this is this is like when when Rimini applied to host in 2022 in Italy like there was there was no way a little seaside resort was going to get Eurovision yes <laughs> yeah 
Let's talk about something that hasn't gotten a whole lot of uh, coverage so far. Not that I've seen anyway or heard. Who do we want to present? Who do we want as hosts? <laughs> I certainly don't think, unfortunately, as much as I love her, I don't think Pietra will be back. No. Just because no. just because she no longer works for SVT. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a huge upset for her career to, to switch back to SVT just to host Eurovision. And then what does she do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you heard anything, seen anything, or have a wish list? I mean, I have no idea, really. I have no idea who is, like, uh, being talked about or anything. I would really like Oscar Zia, actually, because I think he oh was one God, of the yes. best presenters in Melody Festival in the recent years. Um, people have been talking about Farah as well. I'm almost sure that Farah won't get, like, a main host spot i could see her maybe as a green room host potentially but i don't think she's gonna be like a main host just because she's still like sort of a newbie at svt like uh melody festival last year was like her first big uh hosting job and then she only started her real career like this year with melody festival and then she also got to host a quiz show in on svt that is really popular so maybe but like I would say, Farah is probably more of a green room host candidate right now. Yeah. Have you heard her speak English? Uh, the only time was really when the points were announced this year, and that was like twenty right. seconds. Same, yeah. same for me. Yeah. It wasn't even that. She was. She seemed really nervous. She just. She didn't even say hi or anything. It was just Sweden's points go to and that Finland. Was it. Yeah, because she had to give yeah. it to Finland, and everyone was booing at Sweden. Maybe that's why yeah. she was nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh goodness! I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely on board with Oscar Zia myself as well because I think he did a fantastic job at Melfest, um, and I would love to see him doing, you know, at least some, if not, you know, the the main role, you know, the green room or anything. It will be great to see him being involved, you know. And since you know the broadcasters and EBU are listening to us, <clears throat> Oscar Zia maybe. <clears throat> So, but I'm sure that they will go and they will pick, you know, a certain person who will, in their opinion, do their, you know, the best job as possible. So, but I'm, I'm really somehow rooting for, for Oscar Zia because, you know, and obviously Mons Elmerle will be involved anyhow, because it could be <laughs> anywhere and he'd be an interval act. Like they would defrost yeah. him for the interval act. He'll, he'll pop up somewhere for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. If he gets his accreditation approved, of course. Yes. Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, he even managed to, to like, sneak his way in this year yeah. with Claudia. Was it Claudia? No, Filomena. Cautela, no. right? Filomena, yeah. Like, that was so random and so random. cringy. And, but he was there. <laughs> he was. It counts. He was. Yeah. Definitely. It counts. So you've kind of crossed into my last topic that I wanted to talk about. Uh, our expectations. So I guess our presenters, our, our wish list will be kind of our expectations for next year. So we expect, hopefully, Oscar Zia to, hope, we, to host. Uh, we expect Mon Salmerlev to pop up somewhere, at least once. Um, anything else? What's on, what's on your wish list besides oh, your cities oh, and, your, and your hosts? I forgot about someone. I forgot about David Sundin. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he hosted, I think... 2019 or 2020 potentially one of these years and he's like a really like he's a very famous actor and i also think he did a really good job hosting 
and I would definitely like to see him as well. Has Sweden forgotten about David Lindgren? Oh my god, because he, he hosted say. a few times in a row too. I hope they have. <laughs> no, but you know what the thing about? I mean, or uh, there's maybe another another name I would love to see. She was she was also hosting this Swedish show. Apart from that, uh, the Al Sang Paskansen, wasn't it? Sana Nilsson, wasn't she after Melfest hosting this for quite a few seasons? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I mean, I I wouldn't mind Sana getting back in any you know. Form. possible form yeah or yeah. maybe even like singing for for you know it will be 10 years since she participated maybe it will be the right time for her to go back we, we I, don't get her um <laughs> repetitive you know um ep, uh, how do you call uh, entries in the melody festival anymore so maybe that yeah. would be also one of the one of the things so that's the joy of sweden hosting they have so many talented veteran presenters slash entertainers slash singers slash dancers i mean i also have this uneasy feeling that maybe lena hedlund will be involved in some way and i'll be oh. fed vinegar chips again so yeah i'm hoping that's not happening <laughs> but speaking of expectations for 2024 i would really love to see at any way at any forum possible to see, and they will probably do it because it's it's you know that was the first uh, talk about topic after Lorene won about how oh how they you know made her win the whole thing just because Abba is celebrating fifty years next year. Abba recently released you know a new album two years ago I think it was, uh, and even though when you know they're asking them if they want to be involved, I think that. As a group, they will probably they, they won't show up anyway. But like I think there's Bjorn. He said, you know, if you would ask me, we would go there, but it's not up to me. So it's probably, you know, some decisions inside the group regarding, you know, of them showing up. They're busy with this ABBA voyage thingy in London. Um I would love to see, you know, any sort of homage to ABBA. That would be, you know, my expectations. There will be a hundred percent. I also think that Bjorn a hundred percent and Benny very likely will make an appearance, either like through video screen or like in person. Actually, I don't know. Uh, I doubt we'll see Frida and Anietta. That's just very unlikely. Yeah, I have a, I have this feeling that Anie- even though like Anietta was like in in the previous years was more involved with music than Frida. I think Frida was more active in the seventies period after Abba. I think it was. Yeah, she's but, in Switzerland now, isn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, but yet again, I don't know. I mean, anyway, Benny and Bjorn, they both were involved in 2013 edition. You know, they were um, composing the anthem for that year, was it? Yeah. With Avicii? Yeah. yeah. So it, it is, I think it's really, it, it's, it, it is likely for them somehow to be involved. And with even with the anniversary, I think it would be, you know, this great idea. Find Building Bridges on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Should we do a game? Yes. yes. It's, been, it's been a long time since we've done a game. But what's the current situation uh, at the scoreboard? Uh, I remember that I uh, won the last one, which was with Jan Bors, when you did I Can't Go On. And right. I think... That was a long time ago. Yes. Wow. 
Yes. <laughs> but yeah, do you want to start? All right. For three points, the first clue is uh, this half of a duo is an American actress and singer born in Los Angeles, California, daughter of an actress herself, Linda Christian. Linda so this Christian. person, and of course, if you're listening, try and guess as well. Maybe you know it already. So this half of a duo is an American, is, so she's still alive, is an American actress and singer born in Los Angeles, daughter of an actress named Linda Christian. Linda Christian, American actress as well. She's American, yeah. So we are also talking about the American, art, no, artist, no. The artist and the mother are American, yeah. But the, the artist that performed at Eurovision is American. And shockingly, her mother was also American. And has no connection to the country she represented. Not not that way, no. Okay. I know, I'm not sure. Okay. Second clue for two points. The other half of this duo uh, is a famous tenor, actor, and winemaker and was awarded Albanian citizenship in 2016. Oh, Albano. Albano. Oh, my God. I was just about to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But there are two. Oh, my God. Which yes, entry? There are two. Oh, oh. So is it magic or magic, or is it we'll live it all again? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but there's no clue about the song. We only realize the artist yeah. right now. Yeah. Right. That sucks when there's artists who uh, went multiple times. <laughs> and they both finished seven, so we cannot really, you know, like. Yes, try but, the thing. but the 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 it it should be obvious if you're re using all of your brains which one I'm talking about. Magic or magic? Thank yeah, I would you. Say it's why well. Sebi? Because you don't care about shit that was there uh, before you were, <laughs> and <laughs> you were born in '84, and this was '85. <laughs> so this makes sense. No, there's a better reason. Well, it was in Scandinavia as well. It was yeah. in Gothenburg, where I think this year, or in 2020, yeah. we'll be going for <laughs> See, there's always a link to something we talk about when I do this. Mm. Yes, so when I do as well. <laughs> so Sebi's getting his uh, two points, I think. Two points. Is it? So I, I have no idea what the score is, but yeah, Sebi got two points. What was the My last? Clue? The last clue was going to be that it was sung in the Scandinavian. <laughs> oh well in 1985 yeah anyway we would like to hear more from your side let us know who do you want to see in sweden and um keep up at our socials we are building underline bridges underline podcasts on instagram and building bridges on any other social media you can think of and this is pretty much it we're taking off at this point and we say hey door hey